Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Today's the day we're back. No longer preempted from bas- with all these basketball games. Man, it's so hard to take two days off. Mm. Actually, we didn't take two days off. We just worked we, behind we the scenes. We did other things. We wow. did maintenance. We took care of... We took we took the machines apart, whatever machines <laughs> we use. James took apart the board, rewired the entire system, cleaned out all the dust and all these cleaned out gadgets the dust. that I have. Yeah, we scraped off all of the gunk from the colds gone by off the microphones. I'd hope. <laughs> we made, we we created we did some maintenance. We worked on the show, put it up on the blocks, took a look underneath it, cleaned off the dirt. And now we're back, refreshed, renewed, ready for a new show. And here's the cool thing. Today we've got an awesome show. Today we're talking mental health. And by the way, maintenance. Yes. It's not enough to just assume, you know, you're just going to grow healthy and strong normally. I mean, a lot of times life plays tricks on you and sometimes your body doesn't quite make the chemistry you need. Mm -hmm. Some people have that. Yep. And some people even know they have it, but they act like they don't. Yeah, that's not good. And they get depressed. They get anxious. Some even have it in a, in a more serious, aggressive way. Might even swing from a mood to a mood. We might have a name for that. Bipolar, maybe. Anyway, a bunch of people suffering with mental health issues. In fact, if you listen to the news long enough, there's a lot of it. And it comes yeah, out. Definitely. And then we always think of it as just like somebody with mental health issues. They We throw all these names at them. And we just can't believe how erratic their behavior is. But that's not how most people are suffering with mental health. No, not at all. Usually, I mean, if you think about it in terms of what kinds of mental illnesses people normally struggle from, which typically is depression, depression. and anxiety. anxiety. It's like a common right. cold. Oh, yeah. Everybody gets it at some point and it sucks. And Somebody's fought with, with their it. kid today about going to school because the kid didn't want to go to school because he's too anxious. Yeah. Social anxiety right there. Or they don't want to get out of bed because nobody loves them and they're depressed and they feel like then they're in a funk. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes it's just situational because we lost a loved one. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's more constant, more chronic and and clinical where we need to be treated and learn. That's the job of the show today. Today we're talking mental health uh, issues and really maintenance. We want to get in and see if we can't give you some tools, some ideas today to rethink what's going on in your life. Many a time in my office, I'll suggest, you know, I think you got something going on. I think we need to send you to a specialist that can can look at the, I don't know, whatever the topic, anxiety, depression, bipolar, whatever. And, um, and even maybe medicate it. Mm-hmm. And you won't believe how many people are like, oh, I don't know that I want to do that. There, there's this fear of having it officially treated and medicated mm-hmm. for some. But even maybe I think for some just having a name thrown on it, like you're yeah, mentally definitely. ill. Yeah. I mean, even that doesn't sound good, right? Mental no, it illness. doesn't. It, you know, it just has such a weird connotation to it. And But, you know, really I found this kind of a unique experience, but I um, – like, like I said, outside of outside of work, I work primarily with people in the arts, and yeah. people in the arts are known to have mental oh, problems yeah. more often. And you know what? That holds true. It's usually you know with a greater depth of emotional experience, you're going to want some you know something more fulfilling, and 
in those terms as well. Right. So that's why people are, you know, drawn to that. But it's so interesting, you know, if I'm open with my classmates and, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I feel anxiety from time to time and I've never had it, you know, very severely. But, you know, some people in my degree, in my in my classes, they have. And oh, yeah. having that, you know, not being afraid to say stuff like that is an enormous help to them. That's what we You need. know, all those conversations when you can just say, you know what, I understand that you are struggling with this and mm-hmm. you can talk to me about it. Just being educated yourself in what mental illness is and what mental health is and, you know, how common it is can be such a help to other people. Oh, what people. a relief. I know. Well, and then everyone else in the room is like, oh, I feel anxiety too. I have this. Yeah. So what we want to do is see if we can't, I mean, normalize it. And one show is not going to normalize mental illness or mental health issues. But in reality, if we all just came out and just said what we really were suffering from, and we all lined up in a row. We'd all have something. Oh, definitely. I mean, and but we don't. We all just keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna come out. I have plantar fasciitis. <laughs> my feet kill. One of my feet. My foot. My right foot kills. There you have it. By the way, so am I different now? Now are you gonna like treat me differently? Probably not. Nope. But when I limp, you're gonna say, "Oh, plantar." We accept – see how easy it is to accept that I have plantar fasciitis. Now, if I came out and said, uh, I have bipolar, that's all different. Everyone would be like, yeah. mm. Well, and I feel like um, a lot of the time the people who have these um, have no one to talk to yeah. because they feel like everyone's going to be – Well, then they're shamed. So and they then can't all talk sudden, to their yeah, family because they don't want to be a disappointment mm-hmm. to their parents. And they can't talk to their friends because how many people are going to understand yeah, what they're going through. This. And so they just become more – alone yeah. and it gets worse and, and everybody else is more normal vicious cycle. They, every, they, everyone thinks everyone else is normal and the reality is we're just all a bunch full of i mean like i always call it a bowl full of abnormal fish yeah well and it goes from mild to severe and yeah. mild cases happen all the time oh yeah well <laughs> I, and every, think of that daily. in everything like mild i mean we're all I, so did i tell you this story i have a guy that came in has cerebral palsy great kid he's actually came in when I was a I was a lay leader of an LDS church group, so I was a they call them bishops. So I was over, I don't know, three or four hundred young adults, twenty to thirty years old, and I would counsel with them and work with them and talk with them and coach them and motivate them and inspire them. And I had one come in that had cerebral palsy, cute as can be, smartest guy ever. He's in a management program, but he had cerebral palsy, so he felt different. And he came in, and that day I had seen so many people, some with that were cutting on themselves and some that were depressed and some that were sexually promiscuous to a horrible fault, some of them. And some – I mean everyone's suffering from something. And he comes in at the very end of the day, and he sat down, and he started to cry. And he's like, I just want to be normal like everybody else in this group. <laughs> And I looked at him like, are you kidding me? There's not one normal (laughs) person in the group. None of us are normal. And even the idea that we have a normal is, it's interesting to me. But some of us have emotional issues, some, you know, mental issues, some family of origin issues, how you were raised. Um, So today on the show, we're talking mental health issues. I kind of want to just see if we can't normalize the concept. And it's hard because... We still have a bias. We still, you know, it's hard. But I, let's die, let's give the exact definition, Jess. Okay. We looked up the definition of mental illness just so we all know what we're talking about. Okay. It's 
Any disease or condition that abnormally influences the way a person thinks, feels, behaves, or relates to others, and to his or her surroundings. So it's an illness. So we also frame them other things: illnesses, disorders. Um, what do we call uh, syndromes? Yeah, which I was looking, and there's um, 200 classified forms of mental illness. Okay, 200 classified forms of mental illness. So it's like more than just the. Well, and what's funny hot is ones. we don't even know if you had one, unless it was like <laughs> one of the popular ones, the like the mainstream ones. We don't even know what we've got. There's. There's forms of like ADHD where your children can be oppositionally defiant. They just oppose and defy you. Which that's almost every kid, isn't it? Well, then then all of a sudden it is. And then we've always diagnosed people with narcissism. And yet in a weird way, that seems like everybody I meet. And so this is – it's a really interesting field. So today we're going to get through it and get into a bunch of statistics, tools. So be thinking. where, Where are you when it comes to this? Do you know already that you might be suffering some anxiety, some depression? Do you already know you uh, or somebody that's struggling with a mental illness? Let's see if we can't learn today enough to, to, to change at least how we approach it and how we think about it. Merit, teach us. Okay, so I was doing, you know, reading. Well, how, what, what is mental illness? What's going on in the news? And, I mean, obviously every day you hear some oh. tragedies, awful things that happen. Yeah. So. You know what? I'm not going to add to that. We have the burden of knowledge yeah. already way too much in terms of that. But you know what? An interesting thing is, is that over the years, um, if you just even compare how people thought of mental illness, you know, even 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. To how we think of mental illness now, there's been such amazing progress. Well, we used to burn people at the stake for it. Yes, which is a problem. <laughs> right? Glad we're not that primitive now. That's right. But um, – yeah, but steps are always being taken to help improve mental illness. And one big thing is that um, I read several articles today about how uh, sports teams hmm. are trying to yeah sports psychologists are... more. Well, there's know, so many their... stories. How many pros have gone to jail or prison? Yeah, and definitely. I mean, it's a big deal. There's a big issue, and specifically with youth. I mean, we we talk a lot about concussions and yeah. how you know if you're in sports, you need to yeah. be aware of concussions. We all need, and you see, you kind of hear that a yeah. lot, like be yeah. more aware of concussions. But the fact is, is that yeah, people suffer from concussions, but you know, one out of every four or five teenagers. Is has some sort of mental problem, especially when you're a teen. I mean, that's one just... out of four, twenty five percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that makes sense. I mean, and so, and but we just don't address it, and especially for kids in sports, their lives are kind of off kilter because right. they're in sports. I yeah. mean, they just they don't spend as much time sleeping or right, you know, or being with their family, or they don't have as much downtime yeah. if they're trying to keep their grades up. I mean, their lives are off balance just by the fact that they're in sports. Which is why a lot of times you don't notice sometimes if somebody has a problem until almost like till they're out of grade school. So a very common age is about 19 mm-hmm. when you start seeing certain traits manifesting because now they're on their own. They don't have the school system holding them in check. Yep. They're free to go make their own life, their own schedule. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden their life falls apart. Yeah, definitely. Well, and the thing is, is that uh, especially with kids in sports, that's such a huge part of their life. That yeah. might be their anchor. But um, And it's okay to be aggressive. It's okay to take someone's head off in basketball (laughs) or football. Yeah, definitely. But not only that, it's just, you know, teenagers, most people, you know, they go through this. They have these problems. They're changing. And uh, they – we talk about it, but we don't we don't get them the help that they need no. straight off. We don't teach them how to be mentally healthy, how to recognize these things. Um, And so – 
a lot of the reports that I was doing just said that we need to be more aware of the potential warning signs, potential triggers, and we need to, you know, and another thing is that with, with sports, again, just having when you're tired, when you're worn out, when you're stressed, any sorts of, when you're, you know, say you lost a game, when you're emotionally yeah. overwhelmed, all of those things can contribute to how well you're dealing with things mentally. And especially with, um, specifically with, you know, more common ones that might go unnoticed, like anxiety or depression, the minute you're tired, your anxiety oh, can totally. get so much worse. Well, don't you notice I mean, that? Yeah. Everybody, I mean, just think about it. The last time you were tired, how well do you think through things? <laughs> Not well. No. And anyway, so that is just one thing that's going on that maybe people should be aware of that trying to help people recognize mental illness and recognize its treatments, recognize yeah. possibilities, recognize potential dangers so that people can be aware of that. See, so flip that and imagine, so this, somebody with a mental illness uh, is your father mm -hmm. and you're a child being raised by somebody with like a major anxiety disorder and you don't, your dad, ne we never go out. So when dad pulls in, why does dad shut the garage before we've even, before we've even turned the car off? Like dad just gets in, gets the garage shut. We get inside. We don't talk to strangers. So all of a sudden you're being raised that way. Mm -hmm. We don't even know. And then, then you grow up and then I, I've had so many clients that get so frustrated because then as an adult, they figure out that their parents were messed up. Yeah. And then definitely. I think in my head, I'm like, well, we're all, we all feel that way about our parents. Yes. But all of a sudden that becomes an issue. So if we're not talking about it and if it's not safe to say, you know what, there's, I have, we have mental health, health histories running in our family. We have depression in our family. Mm -hmm. We have anxiety in our family. I mean, we, we know if our dad died of heart disease. Yeah. We know if our mom's grandma died of diabetes. We, we want to know that. So we probably ought to know, too, if grandma had anxiety mm -hmm. and if grandpa had a, a, you know, a bipolar disorder. It's true. And I think a lot of it just comes down to the fact that we don't want to appear vulnerable in that yeah. way. And we get, you know, you get nervous because what we see on TV, what we see through Facebook, yeah. what we see through Twitter is the best side of everybody. Right. And so the idea that you might have something wrong, especially something that still has so many stigmas attached to it, it's just not something that we're willing to admit to people and get that kind of help that we need. And, you know, to say... To say something like, you know what, I feel sad, I feel worn out, and I feel depressed most of the time is something really scary to say when what yeah. we're surrounded by in popular culture is people who are happy and vivacious yeah. and outgoing and, you know, the specific type of personality and mental state that most people can't participate in. Right. And so to be able to say that and, you know, even on Facebook, you see only the fun things oh, people yeah. do. We're happy. You know, we're happy. Nobody Look at this heard fun about trip the that fight I went on, that you know? happened for a day at Exactly. The park. Nobody heard yeah. how, you know, somebody stayed in bed all morning because yeah. they just didn't feel motivated to go, you know. So, yeah, just the, the attempt to make it more normal. And like I was saying with sports, anything that you can do to raise awareness, to become more aware yourself is really going to help somebody oh. out in the... Well, that's why what's cool. One person stands up and then you can have two or three or four or ten people that can say, yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. I have that too. I did have a client um, that finally just said, I'm done. And she came right out and just said, OK, I've got, I've got bipolar. Yeah. And she announced it and with pride and announced it on her uh, Facebook page. And the, the outpouring that came from people because of that. Now, it also made – it made sense – 
why others had had an argument with her the day before or weeks before, why she doesn't always go to certain parties or whatever. Yeah. And, um, so it, it's hard, though, because you kind of need these pioneers, right? You need these mm-hmm. people to come out and say, that's me. Then you actually see a lot of stars that do it, that yeah, admit what, they've, you know, what they're struggling with in their private life. That helps. It does. But then it's also, it's so personal. Mm-hmm. See, this is something, you know, plantar fasciitis, it's, it's my personal battle. Yeah, I wake up every morning. Sure, I walk like a guy who stepped on a landmine. And my wife laughs. But it doesn't – it's not about me. That's not about me. But yeah. my, the way I think, that is about me. The yeah. way I feel about life, being depressed and not wanting to come into work, that's a very personal thing that you don't want to throw out there very often. Yeah, definitely not. Huge. That's the topic today, folks. Mental health. Again, we're not trying to beat you down and make you sad. We're trying to present the reality. Everybody's suffering from something. And uh, I think we, the more we uh, let some light in, there's a great quote that says, light is the best disinfectant. Let's let some light into this. Let's see if we can't today on the show understand mental health issues a little bit better. Maybe understand those people struggling with mental illness and, uh, and identify some ways that you yourself can create a better maintenance program for yourself emotionally and for those around you. We're taking a break. Mental health's the topic. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're talking about mental health issues, mental illness in particular, and uh, giving you some tools to uh, understand it better. Let's try to normalize the fact that, you know, everyone's suffering something. Not always a mental or psychological issue. Some of us just have other issues, but in the end, we're all here to give a hand. And uh, we brought Jess in. Jess Littlefield, cute little Jesse Black. Cute, cute little Jesse Black. Who that we raised from a pup on the show that we're going to have to release in about a month or two to go back to the oh, real I'm world. So sad. But you've been doing some research on mental health, right? What are you learning? Um, so I wanted to find out where it comes from. I don't know anything about mental illness, and the more I don't know, the scarier it seems yeah. to me. Does it? Why? I well, I mean, because of the horror stories, you're just like. Is this person going to, you know, freak out gonna, on me? Right. Are they going to know? Yeah. But see, they're just people. Yeah. And the most common, right, are just depression and anxiety and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And it's so common. And I mean, so the more I know about had something. It for a while with you. I'm sure. I don't even, even know your that mom. Is... But I mean, <laughs> I know you. And I'm sure you stressed her out. Yeah. She couldn't get out of bed for weeks after me. <laughs> you exhausted As soon as her. she saw my face, she's so, like, oh, I got to sit down. <laughs> so tell me what you're learning about mental illness. Okay. So the causes of it, it can be from your genetics. Okay. So um, like in your family line, you mentioned that before. 
Um, it's the interaction of some genes together. So mom's genes, dad's genes get together. That might create certain types of other genes, bipolar, or if, or mood if your disorder. family had it and yeah. and then it's in your genes. Yeah. So that's you see one. a lot of times an anxious mom. You'll usually see anxious daughters. Yeah, which. I always wonder if it's nature or nurture on that one. Well, it's probably both. <laughs> I mean, some of it I think is just situational, right? So some of our right. mental health issues, if you have six kids and they're all really anxious, you could have a really hard life. Yeah, that would right? be hard. So that, I hope I mean, that, that doesn't happen. Well, but that would just create a really natural kind of situational issue. Mm-hmm. But then those go away, you know. Yeah. Then there's other times where it's not situational. It's You could be diagnosed from your MD or doctor. Right, right. Yeah. So that's the genetics. There's a psychological trauma. So that's triggered by um, a severe event that yeah. caused this. So a lot a common ones are abuse, a loss of a parent at an early age yeah. or just any time, and then neglect. P- and a lot of these guys going to war or coming back with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, it shakes you, it's which is totally deal. understandable. No, I couldn't imagine right. coming home from a war and having all these war vi- video Memories. games yeah. all oh, yeah. all over. And, well, and you're supposed to be normal after that. Yeah, and you're supposed to be like, oh, I want to join. You yeah. know, it's like, exactly. no, I lived that. That is not. That's right. Anyways, I, I'm sure it causes a lot of stress. So it could be genes, could be your psychological, like a traumatic event. Trauma. What yeah. else? And then environmental stressors. Which yeah. is so common. Look yeah. at look around. That could be life, family, <laughs> That's like jobs, everything. The economy falling apart. Yeah, a family life, divorce, death, changing jobs. I mean, you see abuse. that. You see that happening all the time. Where you'll hear a story in the news. Somebody just lost. I mean, lost their job, and then they go back to their workplace and end up shooting people. Mm-hmm. There it is. An environmental stressor. On top of maybe another psychological issue or another whatever, and it exacerbates and makes it worse. Yeah, and how many times are these all put together, you know? Like, it's in your genes, and then you have a trauma happen. It's, you know... It's normal. It's almost inevitable. (laughs) I think it is. I, I think to some degree... I also think what I find just working with a lot of people that are going through it, um... Some some want to hide it, so they kind of stuff it, mm-hmm. and they keep it. And then I see some that are willing to just put it out there and talk about it. And yeah. the ones that I see stuff it, it seems to make it worse mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. And the ones that kind of are able to put it out there. I mean, I so respect those that can just say, yeah, I've got depression. Yeah. And um, this is what I'm going through. I read a story about this lady who had – who had it her whole life, and they kept misdiagnosing her. They, She had a ton of operations going through. They thought it was a cyst. They thought it was a tumor. And so she went through tons of operations trying to get rid of this, and it didn't. And then they gave her this, um, this some kind of pill that was not Elavil. Elavil? Anyways. Sounds, yeah. Um, and she took that and then it gave her hallucinations yeah. and psycho problems. That's the problem and... is because th- those are psycho, like psychotropic drugs. Anyway, mm-hmm. when you get into that, then all of a sudden there's all these other bi- byproducts, other things that happen to yeah. you. And then someone presented, this is, th- and sh- they put her into a psychic ward, um, Two months after she got married, her husband oh. was like, I'm putting you in there. Yeah. And she did. And she was so mad. And she's like, I'm not going to take any medications. I've been through my whole life with this. Yeah. And they're like, this is what you have. These are the symptoms. And she's like, oh, finally, okay. someone's now explaining it. This is the symptoms yeah. I have. And then she took it. And so. And sometimes that's all you need. You got to really. know. So yeah. you're not afraid of it. 
And then family can step in at the right time. And I've seen that. It's easy to just not want to push them too hard because if we push them too hard, they're going to have a breakdown. That's what's so hard about this. It's touchy. And a lot of families want to help. Then when they don't know what to do or they don't know how to help. So on the show today, um, we're we're going to take it even further. We're going to go talk to um, an award-winning author um, from Australia in the mental health field, She's a teacher and a motivational speaker. She's she's recovered from parent-teacher abuse, bipolar disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and she wrote a book called Me and Him, A Guide to Recovery, where she shares the tips she learned firsthand. She is going to share everything she's learned about figuring out she has a, a, mental, um, a, a mental illness and how she went about kind of changing and learning and growing, and how she did it with her partner. We're going to get into that. We're taking a break. We're talking mental health today. How to create a healthy maintenance program. Well done, Jess. You did it. Piece of cake. And we're going to come back with our wonderful guest, Karen Tyrell, will be joining us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we got a great topic for you. Remember, the goal of the show is to give you the tools, a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. We want to see if we can't today discuss mental health, uh, maybe even mental health maintenance, how you take care of your, your own mental health. It's something that impacts everybody to one degree or another, but, you know, some people have an illness. It's not even just a situational thing they're going through. It's sometimes our, our brains, our minds are, they, they work, they work us over, they beat us up and they take us on a journey. And if we don't know what's going on, um, a lot of times, you know, we, we lose ourselves and, um, there's power, I think, in a really effective diagnosis of what's happening to us emotionally, mentally. We've had a, a man, David Finch, on the show a few weeks ago who was diagnosed with Asperger's, um, which was kind of a high-functioning autistic, you know, on the, on the autism spectrum. And he was finally diagnosed with it, and it made so much clarity for him to be able to know how to handle his marriage. And just the diagnosis helped them to uh, to move forward in the relationships. Now, the same could also be true with your mental health. And we have a wonderful um, author joining us today, Karen Tyrrell, who is joining us. And um, or sorry, Karen Terrell is joining us. She's an Australian award-winning mental health author. She's a teacher, a motivational speaker, and a workshop presenter. She won a Mental Health Achievement Award and has recovered from parent-teacher abuse, bipolar disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. She's been diagnosed with these things and had to figure out how to kind of recover, how to move on, how to find a way back into life. And um, she wrote a book, Me and Him, A Guide to Recovery. And in that book, she shares the tips that she's learned firsthand. Uh, So Karen Terrell, thank you so much for joining the program with us. Hi there, Matt. Lovely to be here, all the way from Australia. I know. How are you? Now you're even. This is what's amazing. You're here tomorrow. 
You are. Yeah, yes. Your it's your today is our tomorrow. It's seven a.m. Thursday the thirteenth here. Oh my heavens! And we're, and we're in summer. Are you? Yeah, of, like, you are. Say, the, in the beginning of autumn, really. Well, but tell it's me still this: weather here. How does it? Uh, how does tomorrow look? <laughs> I don't know. It, it sort of messes with my mind when I think of time zones, and yeah, it's it's hard to grasp, isn't yeah. it? It is. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. I can't think of a topic that um, that is that is as important as as this. You went through, you know. I guess just you share it with us. What was you you went through a mental illness uh, diagnosis, needing to figure it out, along with struggling with it and living with it. Tell us about it. Okay. Well, I'll start at the beginning. That's the best way to start. Yeah. Always. When I was a um, a school teacher teaching primary school. Um, my student and his family bullied and harassed me every day hmm. for over a year. They inflicted psychological, written and verbal abuse until I could take no more. I developed screaming night terrors, insomnia, and these triggered post-traumatic stress disorder Wow! and bipolar disorder because I was hardly... For a year, I was averaging one or two hours a night oh. of sleep. Yeah. And that's not good for the brain. No, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. So what happened next? I escaped and I ran from my family, from my friends, and I hid out in a motel. And then police found me there a week later, and I use this word, incarcerated. They incarcerated me Uh into the frightening world of the psychiatric system Mm. because I was in an involuntary treatment order. That means I wasn't allowed to leave until I was deemed sane. Yeah. You were having a breakdown, uh, though. This was a breakdown. Yes. Yeah. Oh, a complete breakdown. Yeah, it was a breakdown in every possible way you could think. And I, I, I had, you know, I was severely manic, psychotic. Mm. But the good thing is I did recover. And um, the first thing I did when I was released a month later, it took a month. One month. Uh, yes, I started writing and I wanted to share my, um, my journey. Yeah. The first, I've written three books. The first oh, wow. book I wrote was called Me and Her, A Memoir of Madness. Okay. And that sort of my, my journey, it started, you know, what, how it all happened and, and up to the stage of my, of my recovery. Yeah. And um, it, it, I wanted to show people my determination for recovery and to keep well. Hmm. And, yeah. Did, did that help you? It so, seems like the writing was created yeah. kind of somewhere for you to go. Oh, yes. The writing was very cathartic. Yeah. Um, it helped me to heal. And it helped me, like, each day I was doing journaling as well as writing the memoir. Mm. I was doing both. Yeah. And I was reflecting on what coping skills were working for me and what things I need to keep working on. So I was continuously reflecting and refining mm. um, those skills. And well, now I have thousands of it's, skills it seems that like, I call on at different times. Well, yeah. yeah. And what's uh, what I think is amazing is... Your story, um, I see it a lot just in my own kind of practice and in life and in my neighborhood. I mean, people people have breakdowns. This is this is a common thing. This, I mean, it's yours may have seemed really extreme, and it, it was. I mean, the, you had to be arrested. But, um, but in the end, this is a common thing, isn't it? Yes, it is, and it's more common than what you think. A lot of people don't talk about it. Right. But- it, 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 the statistics for mental illness are absolutely staggering, and they're across the world. Hmm. And the reality is that half of us in the world will experience mental illness directly at some time in their life, and that's including anxiety, depression, 
um, you know, disorders. Right, half sleep, of us. Sleep problems, all those. Yeah. And that's the saddest part of all the statistics in USA and Australia that we have one of the highest suicide rates in oh. the world. And that's, and that's the worst. That, that is. That is really the worst. Well, and when you think of half yeah. of us experiencing it, that means yeah. either I'll experience it with me, but I'll for sure experience it with a spouse, possibly, or my children. Yes. I mean, it's going to be in my life. Yes, that's right. And then if we don't address it, I guess that's eventually what leads many, because they have nowhere to go, they don't feel understood, they feel hurt and abused, that they then, then suicide becomes a, a, an option, a good option. Right. Yes, I know. It's, it's tragic. It, it is. It's horrific, and it's, it's tragic. And we need to start talking about it. People aren't talking. Right. They're hiding behind it, or it's in whispers. It's in, yeah. you know, it's, it should be more out in the open. Then people will realize how common it is, and it's, and it's part of the human experience. Yeah. And if we can combine all our knowledge together... Just think, we, we can solve this. We, oh, yeah. We and we yeah. want to be there. I think we would love to be there for each other. We just don't. A lot of us don't know. It's 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 taboo. It's the thing we don't talk about. It's also we don't know what to do. Um, what are some early signs? that? What are warning signs that we should be looking okay. for that would say, you know what? This person might be struggling from mental illness in any of its forms. Because like you said, there's there's so many different forms, so many different versions. Okay. Exactly. And, that, and the warning signs, at first they could be so subtle that you don't notice them. You don't notice them in yourself and you don't notice them in your loved one. I certainly, my fan, I, didn't, I, didn't, I was not aware of my symptoms. Right, okay. I was, sort of a, I was aware that there was something wrong, but I did not put a I did not think it was mental health. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. It was yeah. just horrible. Yeah. But my family did not pick up on any of the warning signs. But, um, but I'll just give you some examples. Yeah. Um, warning signs could range from oversleeping to insomnia, severe insomnia. Kind of either and way, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it can also range from deep depression until sort of a high manic mood was what I had. Yes. I had mainly the highs and very little of what my lows were anxiety, not so much depression. And okay. there is a difference. Yeah. Okay. But also a person that is very stressed out. Yeah. Um, worrying about things. And, and they might have aching jaws. They might not be able to sleep. They might be tossing and turning. They might be losing weight. They mm. might be gaining weight. Because yeah. sometimes people gain weight. It's almost from, change, isn't it? So anything yeah, that we see that emotion, is a change from, their, from their, their... Yeah. Yeah, change from the normal, from the, whatever the normal is in there. For them, yeah. But it, it could be ang- you know, anxieties too. Yeah. And, and, it, and the big sign for me at the end, I was not coping. That was probably the right at the end, just before I escaped and ran to a motel. Yeah. But the people who aren't coping at school, that can't cope with school or home or work, and, and losing interest in their usual activities, yeah. the things, their hobbies, the things they love to do, they've lost that interest and that passion. That's a sign that something is not, is not quite right. What do we, because um, it's, it's interesting because it's becoming more common, um, I guess people, we say recovery, um, some people haven't like had the breakdown. They haven't had a breakdown event like yours. They just are suffering it kind of day to day, but they can go in and be diagnosed and that would start a recovery for them to kind of create a healthy life. Others that have more of an event like you're talking about, they actually have to go through a process of recovering. That's right. Talk about recovery because that seems... 
for those that, that have gone through a breakdown, that, that seems like this is a make-or-break time, isn't it? That's right, exactly. Um, well, you, you're asking me what does recovery mean? Yeah. In, in, um, yeah, in mental illness. Well, well, I don't, I, well, there's two ways to look at it, and I'll give you both versions, okay? Um, well, I, I'd say I've recovered from mental illness, and I live a very happy fulfilled life right. probably a happier life i would i would say i'm happier now than i was before i was ill oh that's great because i feel yeah. like i'm more fulfilled i feel like i'm now i'm more emotionally um, engaged and more aware self-aware um and i haven't had an episode since 2006 oh, so good. that's eight years ago so yeah. I've well for eight years so you could say that's a recovery yeah right yeah now the other way of looking at it i mean some people look at it that way because you know because you know, I've, been, I've kept out of hospital, right. I've recovered, I'm, I'm coping and all that. But, the, but the, the other side of it is there's no real cure for mental illness, okay? Not really. Right. So you've got to think of then recovery in terms of managing your illness with a proactive wellness plan, practicing coping skills every day. I love that. Managing okay. it, managing the illness with a proactive plan every day. That's right. Because if I stop my plan, oh, if yeah. I went back to how I lived before I was ill, oh, yeah. I could lapse into another episode. I see that all the time. They'll take, even some yeah. will go be diagnosed, be given some medications to take, and they kind of get stabilized. Once they think they've kind of recovered, they're good, and then they stop their plan. And I mean, you can move from different types of, you could move from kind of a, um, a medical uh pharmacological you know, influence where you're taking pills or medicine to help you balance to then you could move also to cognitive management where you're managing your thinking and other things. I mean, there's, there's grades to this, but part of it, I guess you're saying is you got to have a plan and stick to it consistently. That's right. And that, that would then that. prevent a slide. Exactly. Powerful. Uh, and another important thing, yeah, and, and sort of changing your your perception of life, really. So change it so that your life, your healthy lifestyle is your number one priority. Yeah. And finding out what triggers, that, that was the key to, for my recovery and, and, and my resilience. Yeah. Because I work out now, I work out what, what triggers my illness, what triggers my um, insomnia, what triggers my stress, what triggers my anxiety. And I avoid those yeah. triggers. Well, that, see, there, that's the proactive to, side. That's right. Or if I start to go down that path a little bit, I say, hey, I'm feeling, I don't think I can sleep tonight, so what do I need to do? Yeah, what's I'm that telling me? Bit. Yeah. That's and huge. You start to, and you go back to your plan. Okay, what do I need to do now so I can sleep tonight? Mm-hmm. And so it's, all, it's just constantly being self-aware and reflecting on how... Um, you know, what do you need to do to keep yourself well? Love that. And it gives us so much hope. Let's take a break. We're talking to Karen Terrell. Um, Karen is the author of the book, Me and Him, A Guide to Recovery, where she's sharing with us her tips that she learned firsthand um, by suffering through and, and actually, eventually, it's interesting, recovering to become even what she said was healthier, happier than she had ever been. Um, as she's suffering and going through this mental illness, um, this event she had. We are talking with her. We'll be back. More with Karen Terrell after this break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we're taking on a subject that uh, I think we don't talk about enough. Uh, Mental health and finding, you know, we've all got something going on. There's pressures of life. There's, There's just stuff that happens. And sometimes we push ourselves too far. Sometimes others end up pushing us way too far beyond our mental capacities. Uh, some of us, too, have maybe diminished you know, emotional and mental capacities because we might have a disorder, a disease. Uh, we might have something going on with us. It could be something as simple as uh, maybe you know, minor depression, minor um, anxiety, or it could be a lot bigger than that and a lot harder than that. So as, we're, as we've been talking about mental health, we've asked Karen Terrell to join us. She's an Australian award-winning mental health author a teacher, motivational speaker, a presenter, workshop uh, presenter. She's also won Mental Health Achievement Awards and has recovered from abuse herself. She herself was involved in a situation as a school teacher where a child and a parent uh, and their parents basically abused her in every way, shape, emotionally, through writing, through just um, verbally abused her. And anyway, it pushed her to an edge emotionally, and uh, she then had a breakdown and found out that she was going through a, she had bipolar disorder and some post-traumatic stress disorder. She had to go away. She went away. Uh, family had to find her. She was arrested and taken to a hospital. And for one month was in, um, in the hospital where she learned and recovered. And so this is her story. She wrote the book, Me and Him, A Guide to Recovery. And she's on the phone with us right now. You can find out about her her um, her books and her life and more about Karen by going to her website, KarenTerrell.com, T-Y-R-R-E-L-L.com, KarenTerrell.com, T-Y-R-R-E-L-L.com. Welcome, Karen, back to the Matt Townsend Show. Oh, hi there, Matt. Great to be back again. Love having you and what you're teaching us. Give us some more, like, coping strategies. What What have you learned um, and what are some strategies, just basic strategies that people out there, you know, suffering from any kind of mental illness, what should we be doing? How should we be helping them? And what are some of their coping techniques that, that you've learned? Okay. Well, I'm just going to take it back sort of a half a step or actually a full step. That's great. I, I was reflecting on this, you know, the last few days and I was thinking the num- I think the number one strategy is knowledge and education. Yeah. Because if you if you, you can, you, it's really important that you learn everything about your own illness. Well, and know what right? it. I mean, some of us know don't even what know it what it is, right? Know that, what it is, that's how it. it manifests, how other people experience it, and how other people cope with it. Yeah. Because if you learn how they cope with it and their success stories, then it will help you to be a success. Right. Yeah, the more you know and you understand about mental illness and mental health, because they're the flip sides of you know a right. coin, the greater your chance for long-term recovery and resilience. Love it. Because I've got a library of books yeah. that, that I use to, to get where I am now. Well, okay. and, and then, but it took the breakdown and then a really effective diagnosis. And then you probably have to kind of learn as you go, right? There's not just oh, a one-size-fits-all yes. plan. Well, no, no, you keep learning, you keep reflecting, yeah, okay, this is not working. You know, you just continuously um, you're reflecting on, on what you need to do to get well. Yeah. And, and just being very, very self-aware. Um, 
Yeah, well, if, if you don't mind, no. I, I suggest um, that um, your viewers read my book, Me and Him, A Guide to Recovery, because it has got 30 chapters of step-by-step. Oh, well, that's great. Of, you know, going from your diagnosis, your acceptance, your treatment plan, and all the different sort of um, uh, areas that are that sort of that people have difficulty in, you know. Yeah. So, um, it's kind uh, of like you just, it's, it's when you uh, like have to go do something really difficult and no one can really tell you how to do it, but it's almost like you've got to figure out your path. But one of the things I love about you and what you're talking about in your book is there's hope. What you're, what you keep kind of suggesting is that there's an end to this and there's hope. Help us understand the hope of it. Yes, that's right. And I think that the, the hope is through working out your own individual wellness plan, working out what you need to do to get well. So whatever your triggers are, whatever your the things that make you unwell, you have to look at them, okay, I, I need to get over those things. I need to get around those things. Right. I need to empower myself with knowledge and knowing how to, so, so, you know, if your um, trigger is alcohol or drugs, or, it, or if it's too much excitement, or if it's um, um, some sort of toxic relationship. Or, and this is just examples. I mean, you're, I don't know. I, I knew my triggers. Right, right. And I knew what I had to do. But everyone has to be self-reflective and work out what their triggers are because that's really the key. Well, what do you see is... Yeah, well, I, was, I think you're right because... Yes. That's the the trigger. You're the only one that would actually know the trigger, right? I mean, you're the one that right. it's inside of you. So if you can work out your own trigger, it seems like you're almost halfway there. A, a good diagnosis, knowing your triggers, and then a bunch of coping skills will take you a very long way. Exactly. And the more strategies you have, the greater chance of, of success. So I have hundreds of coping skills. Um, so my, my two triggers, well, I'm not probably, I think I've got three. My, one of my triggers was the sleep thing, right, which okay. has always yeah. been a problem for me. Yeah. Probably even before I was um, before I was diagnosed. Um, so I learned like how to sleep better. Hmm. Find out the best way for you that suits you to get you into a pro sleep routine before bed. Um, for example, for me, um, I, I'm careful what I watch on TV. I watch things that I call light and fluffy before yeah. I go to bed. I yeah. don't watch anything um, that's going to stir up my emotions or, you know, avoid those sort of, you know, like I might watch, I like Ellen. So I watch Ellen yeah. late at night and it's light and fluffy and, it, you, you know, it's a feel-good show. You put a smile on your face. You don't want to be watching anything um, that's right. going to be, you know, like... Yeah, doom and gloom. It's going to get like your that. mind too wrapped up, yeah. That's right. And I, I personally keep away from technology. That means computers, phones, for at least an hour before bedtime. Yeah. And, and I'm, I go um, easy on the... I don't, personally, I can't have caffeine after four. See, that's... So but I have a cup of tea, yeah. you know, no, no later than four o'clock. This is your code. So this is what I think is me. so... You're but figuring out you. Yeah. Yes. So, you, so it's just a trial and error, yeah. you know? Oh, and absolutely. Sometimes I might go out to a restaurant and I think, whoops, I just had a cup of tea, then I shouldn't have had it. There we go. Okay, what can I do? Yeah. I might have to accept that I'm not going to have a, a good, and then, and then then tomorrow night I'll try again. Yeah. See, okay. I, so, I, I, you know, I so applaud you on that, Karen, because 
and I wish we had forever to talk about it because I, I really feel like your book, uh, Me and Him, everybody should go look it up, Me and Him, A Guide to Recovery. Uh, I think, Karen, you're you're showing us that if we kind of take it a piece at a time, a little bite at a time, um, and then, you know, it's here to learn. You don't need to beat yourself up because we you have this we can start learning and the more we learn and the more information we can get in the more we can control it as we wrap it up i've got about a minute left can you just tell us oh, i know sorry. can you believe how fast this goes um i know tell tell us um what's the one thing that if you were going to just tell us one thing and you maybe you've already told us what's the one thing that somebody that's suffering from mental illness needs to know um or those that love them need to know in order to to kind of begin this process of recovery hmm. it's hard oh my goodness the one um, we just call it okay. the one thing okay i would say the carers and the people who love that person need to know as much about mental health and mental illness as the person yeah. who is no it's true suffering. huh Okay, so then they can watch out for them. They can watch out for triggers and for early warning signs. Yeah. And say, hey, um, I I, I know that you're doing this. Yeah. Shouldn't you be doing that? Right. Or if it starts to get really worse, suggest they see a doctor, have intervention. I call that it's got intervention. No, but see. Doctor. Yeah, that, but so if if I, and I am really really fortunate, I have a very strong. Um, support network mm-hmm. and they keep an eye on me they they smile and they you know they say karen, <laughs> karen you're that's on a, the computer yeah that's caffeine karen yeah turn that can turn that computer off right you know why are you on the computer it's 10 o'clock you know you're not gonna it's not gonna help you sleep tonight and and they just give me little reminders and i and i smile and i nod my head you know i go, love that yeah. i mean that's so why that's why we have each other yeah, and it's done in love. Yeah, it's all about love. If you know, um, find a network. If you don't have a close family, maybe a close friend, yeah. a buddy. Have a buddy that keeps an eye on you, that gives you little warnings, that understands, like reads the same books you're reading, understands the situation, yeah. and so they know how to look after you and keep it and, and keep it little reminders. Yeah, reminders. And, that's right, and keep it top of mind. We're not perfect. That's right. No, we're not. Karen Terrell, you did great, and I so appreciate you. Everybody, go look up her book, Me and Him, A Guide to Recovery uh, by Karen Terrell, T-Y-R-R-E-L-L, or go to her website, KarenTerrell.com. Karen Terrell, uh, seriously, uh, taking us to the next level of our own recovery. How do we uh, deal with our mental illness, understand it, build a plan that's proactive, and take it on. Powerful stuff. We're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Hey, today we got a great subject for you. Everybody, uh, apparently 50% of the population, by the time we're all done with this crazy thing we call life, 50% of us 
will suffer some form or another of mental illness. Now, maybe, uh, you know, it could be depression, could be anxiety, could be a, a, a larger disorder, a bipolar disorder, you know, one that's more impactful uh, day in, day out. Whatever it is, we're either going to suffer from it or we're going to know somebody that suffers from it. So on the show today, we've been talking about mental health. Today, right now, we're going to turn to um, what we're calling mental hygiene, okay? Taking care of creating a daily routine and just a regular routine to take care of yourself in your, in your mental health, okay? Now, as part of that, like Merritt's going to come teach us how to do that. But before we do that... Um, I found something out about two of our contributors, Maddie and, and Jess, um, wonderful ladies, wonderful people, but they have actively been taking care of their own mental health by singing. And what they like to do is they like to put songs together and just, um, put together, they have little routines. They do routines. Well, one of the songs, they didn't know we were going to play on the air. Yeah, they didn't know that we actually got hold of one we of the found recordings. One. Right. Yeah. We found the recording. <laughs> no. And because, no, we are. We totally what are. What is this? And the recording, it's, it's beautiful. So one of the hottest songs right now is Let It Go. And honestly, if you're going to, if you're going to try to change yourself mentally, the, the phrase Let It Go is a, is a great phrase to use. So Maddie... <laughs> Um, Maddie Richards, Jess Littlefield have put together their version. We can't play it all because it goes, it's like a five minute song, but we're just going to play, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 seconds of, of their version of let it go. But we're going to actually pick it up in the middle of their version. That was a yawn. Beautiful. There it is. Subtle. Here it goes. The drop. Beautiful. Yeah. There's a lot of words. Nope. <laughs> words are hard. This is, where, this is where she kind of talk raps it. <laughs> that was good, Maddie. Thanks. Okay. That was, uh, that was beautiful, you guys. And so um, you do this, this singing. You just throw these together, and then you make a YouTube out of it. Oh, all the time. It, Jess and I are great friends. Really, Maddie started it in the car. Did she? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> but it helps is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you sing like you're three years old. It's, it's a great way to release. It is. It was clear that we were a little bit, you know, at... Tired. Yeah, a little bit something on that You were tired one, because, but... well, you could tell because you kept, one of you kept yawning <laughs> in the middle of you. it. Right, Jess. Yeah. Jess was really t- Jess is married, so <laughs> she's, she's tired, tired all the time. And so um, I, I just want you to know, we're never going to let the little things fall through the cracks on this show. So <laughs> I'm impressed you it. got that. Yeah, yeah. That was really hard to find. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. By, uh, by Maddie and Jess. Moving.
<laughs> Very good. Well, uh, and I appreciate James. You thanks for because that was hard. We threw that together at the last minute. Well, it was difficult to find the file. I mean, they they have it in, encrypted upon encrypted upon yeah. encrypted yeah. files. So isn't it, it weird how they seem like they're a lot older than that? I mean, but their voices are so young. Yeah, I think they were seeing just yeah. this ridiculously high register. Yeah, I think that was it. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's cute, 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 cute. Okay, so merit, help us now. Maintenance. One way to do maintenance is to sing songs like Let It Go. Sure. Give us some more. (laughs) What are some other ways that we can take care of our mental health? Yeah. So, you know, we kind of tend to separate ourselves from people who suffer with mental illness. You know, we think because we don't have some sort of label to it, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't suffer from schizophrenia. Like, you know, that's just not something that I deal with. And, you know, so I don't need to worry about mental health. Right. Totally untrue. Right. Everybody needs to worry about it. We've said it so many times. You're going to deal with it at some point in your life. And really what you need to know is, like Karen said, you have to be educated about it. Um, so we call it you know, mental hygiene. What are the, the daily habits? It's like your, your normal hygiene. What do you do yeah. to your mouth every day? You know, brush you, your brush, you brush your, brush your teeth. Brush you um, mouthwash maybe. Gargle. You floss. Yeah. I you feed put chapstick mine. on. Like just yeah. normal things that you do every day that you don't really think of, but it's – really good habits to keep yourself healthy in that regard. And you kind of need to have the same habits formed in order to keep yourself mentally healthy right. as well. I mean, like hers was just sleep. Yeah, she, I know. Just Think a, about just that. Just a lack of sleep can really set you off. Definitely. And um, so we might think that we're really good mentally, you know. Like, yeah. I feel happy I most it. of the time, right. so I'm, I'm down, right? No. Thing is, everybody has some sort of bad mental hygiene habit. Oh, some, yeah. Some bad practice for late. their mental right. hygiene. And um, consequently, we all need to learn skills. And in my experience, the most common bad practice for your mental hygiene is just thinking thoughts that are unkind to yourself. Yeah, we're not – we beat ourselves up oh, in our thoughts. Oh, definitely. So just just think about it. So you're – and how you feel comes a lot from how you think. So you might think, well, you know, that that's not connected. I can, you know, say that I'm stupid in my head and I'm fine. No, because you're – it's all connected. Right. Your brain is what gives you emotions anyway, so – it's it's going to come back around to bite you. Um, and the more we get used to thinking a specific type of thought, I mean, and this isn't just necessarily, I mean, this could be everything from, you know, I'm fat, I'm stupid to just, I, I'm not good at this. Yeah, sort I of can't thing. do that. I can't I don't do that. Do that. Um, I don't like that person. I don't. And the more you think that certain thought, I like to think of it as um, making a path in stay like forest right the more you walk a certain path the more defined and deep that path becomes and the easier it is to get on that path right and so the more you tread that path of i'm stupid that's immediately where your brain's going to go because that's where the path is well and so a path long enough that we've done long enough is really just a rut exactly so now you're not even on a path you're just stuck in a rut yeah so every time you have you're faced with some sort of difficult situation your brain just immediately falls into that rut yeah. the i'm stupid right you yeah. you go on that path and that's the path that you're walking and so the deal is is that with with these thoughts what you need to do in order to heal from them is create some new paths to walk some new paths and the nice long technical term for that is cognitive behavioral therapy yes cbt but I just think about it in terms of past because it's yeah. easier to remember. Yeah. So um, I have a story for you. Okay. Um, I have a, a roommate from the past who um, one morning we were getting ready to um, 
for the day. We were both going to this event. And so we were dressing up pretty nice, you know, like skirts and heels and all sure. that. And um, the whole morning, I just kept hearing her say things very negatively about her body. And so she was, you know, she was saying things like, oh, you know, I wish I didn't, you know, I wish I had lost those yeah. that weight, which, you know, I wish my hair was different. I wish my face was different. I wish, oh, gosh, I wish I had different clothes. And just everything that came out of her mouth that morning was something negative about the weight that she looked. And I just kind of lost it on her. And I said, you don't need to be doing that. You're being completely unkind to yourself. And it isn't uplifting for me to hear. It isn't uplifting for you to hear. And you're just going to make it worse for yourself. And um, it kind of, you know, shocked her. I'm not usually one to confront people. So the fact that I just, you know. How did she handle that? She said, wow. um, Yeah, that's probably true. I'm going to focus on that. And then later that day after the event, she came to me and she said, you know what? Thank you for saying that to me. You're right I definitely was not being healthy. And I say these kinds of things to myself a lot. And ever since you said that to me, I've had to really think about what kind of messages I'm sending myself. And we had a really long discussion about this whole concept about changing the paths that you have in your mind and making sure that you don't think something so long that you end up believing it. Oh, yeah. And you end up being it. Oh, yeah. So um, what we do in our brains is we call it cognitive distortions. Basically, you just have these types of unhealthy thoughts that are distorted in some way. They're twisted. They're, you know, manipulated yeah. around in a really strange way. Um, some some of these would be uh, jumping to conclusions. So you assume, so say for example, he didn't somebody's call. kind of distant yeah. Okay, yeah. that day. And yeah. so you just say, and all you know is that they're, they feel a little bit distant. They're still kind and whatever, but they're distant. And so you immediately jump to the conclusion that yeah. they don't like this me. person they're rude. doesn't like you. Yeah. And why? Because you're bad, yeah. because you're stupid, because you're I'm whatever. Not a good enough friend. Yeah. Um, another is catastrophizing. That's oh, my favorite. When, yeah. Isn't that a great word? Y- yeah. Because, you know, say you are a few minutes late yeah. and then you just get hung up on that one thing. And you yeah. know what? I did this the other day. And I felt really silly afterward, but I had made some comment in class and I didn't communicate very well. It's a morning class. So, you know what? Really just kudos to me. That's right. Commenting at all. Usually I'm asleep. I'm just kidding. I don't sleep through my classes. But I sleep through. And then I just beat myself up about it for the rest of the day. Then then you're done. And you know what? At the end of the class period, I was like, wait a minute. I don't need to be making this such a catastrophe because really it was 30 seconds of comment that probably everybody has forgotten already well actually two people called yesterday about it yeah i know see but that's it we think it matters and most of the time it doesn't matter it doesn't matter um another is personalization Mm. where you make bad things that happen to you become about you so some the fact that you were had bad luck or that you're ill or that you know somebody else is having a bad day becomes your fault yeah um Blaming, that's another really good uh, one. And here's one that I really like is shoulds. You like to use or you or, like to point well, out? Well, I like to point out is yeah. the shoulds. You should. You, you should have done You could have. I, mean, I, I should have. And, you know, yeah. I, I ought to have done yeah. this. I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we think that there's nothing, nothing comes out of shoulds. Right. No. Not good. No. Um, and, you know, you can just look it up online. Just look up cognitive distortions, a whole list because. Fifteen of them there. Fifteen. This was from Psych Central. Um, and it, But the thing is, if you're going to fix your cognitive distortions, the first thing you need to know is how you're distorting your thoughts. What are you doing? Yeah. So let's just take that example from earlier. I felt I my thought when I made a silly comment in class was right. I'm stupid. Yeah. And so. But the first thing I identify is, you know what? That's personalization. Yeah. That is it's not real. That is catastrophization. Right. And it's, you know, it's yeah. not about me. It was just about this comment that I made. And then you examine the evidence. Does do people does one comment make me stupid? Right. 
Is there is there enough evidence to prove your point? Your your thought. You know, do other people look like they're annoyed with me or that they think you know they were like, oh, that was kind of off, and then they just moved on with their lives. That's good. Um, and then start talking yourself out of it. Think, okay, wait, that doesn't mean I'm stupid. Here are the reasons why not. Yeah, and just you know, use logic on yourself. It's really powerful. And it's and what what you're doing is processing, right? Yeah, definitely. Just by knowing that if you have the feelings and you have the thoughts that distort, then there's probably a process. You're going back and you're thinking about it. So another one, and this is the one I'll end on, is just change your definition. So the fact that I made a silly comment in class doesn't mean I'm stupid. It means yeah. I made a mistake. You had a moment. I had a moment of silliness. Yeah. And you know what? It moved on and nobody cares. And so if you can just change the definition yeah. instead of saying, oh, because this happened, that means I'm stupid. Or yeah. just change it to because this happened, I made a mistake. Yeah. You know, I, I made a mistake I made and a I'll mistake. move on. I showed I'm human. Time. Yeah. Half the people didn't notice it. And yeah, it's not a big deal. Exactly. And by doing that, you're creating a new little path. You're walking a new path. And the more often you do this, the harder that path is going. And instead of, oh, you know, see, getting health. into the bad rut, yeah. you'll get into the good rut where all of your thoughts, your habits of thinking turn you into turn you to the happy thoughts. See, then then you're on the path. Yeah. And then a new path. See, that's you forging a new path. Mm-hmm. So that's just a little thing Love you it. can do. Um, just, you know, whenever you're starting to feel down. Go back and think. What have you been telling yourself lately? Yeah. Is that logical? What kind of fallacies are you using? And then just how can you change it? How can you talk yourself out of that? Or you could just sing Let It Go. You know what? Did you hear how make... beautiful that was? It, it was beautiful. A little bit amateurish, I think. I, don't you um, think they almost underperformed it? Like It's almost yeah. like they were juvenile. Yeah, it was kind of sad. But let's not let them hear us say that. No. Um... Well, well, in fact, let's even bump out when we leave. Can, <laughs> can, is it? Did we already get rid of it, James? Can we not bump out with it? Because it was so moving. That I just think in the end, it changes lives. Singing? <laughs> yeah. They're singing. And actually, that that really wasn't them. Oh, really? I, I That was just, tell. everybody's writing a Let It Go song. It's true. Everybody. But pod that at them. Yeah, look, listen to that. <laughs> it's beautiful. We're changing our thoughts, folks. <clears throat> A little cognitive distortion right there, performed by the Matt Townsend Show. We're taking a break. We'll be right back. Uh, More fun, more ideas, more tools to deal with mental illness, and more real solutions for how you can handle it. Coming up next, Maddie's going to teach us about uh, the stigma surrounding mental illness. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about mental health and uh, the various, you know, issues that uh, surround mental health. You know, we're all going to experience some form of it one way or another, I think, throughout our lifetime. And uh, there's, a, there's a definite stigma attached to it. Now, our own Maddie Richards, who was one of the, the lead singers in the Let It Go song, uh, Maddie's joining us. How are you, Maddie? I'm great. Thanks for showing my song you to bet. the world. That was beautiful. Thank you. Like James wiped a tear. I know. So did I. Did you? It was fond you, memories. You were worried when we had you come in. Like you were worried that we were going to embarrass you. Yeah. I get told I get to the studio today and Matt needs you in the studio right now. Mm-hmm. 
That that, that's you. a little scary. Why? Why? Because, because this is we're that, here. We love that, you. Oh, thanks. I love you too, Matt. Thanks. So nice. Anyway, um, so we're going to talk about <clears throat> mental stigma. Because there's a stigma health. attached to any mental health issue. Well, think about it. When you see a movie, um, you you might look at it and think, oh, that guy's a psychopath. We, that guy's psycho. We throw that out, yeah. don't we? And we, yeah. Or we, we're watching Monk and the guy has OCD and yeah. we think it's funny. Yeah. And like just every scary movie that you see, the person has some kind of mental illness. Or upset. Like, like our kids throw it out. Oh, she's so obsessed. She's got OCD. Yeah. Or they're, oh, he's so ADD. And we throw yeah. out all these things. Yeah. And there's this now stigma that from the media and from just the way the media has influenced our culture that mental health is bad. Like yeah. having a mental illness is bad. Like Makes think about strange. Halloween. You right. go to an asylum. Yeah. And that, those are real places. Totally. Those are real people who yeah. have families. And I'm sure they don't appreciate no. that. So it's kind of come to this place where we decide I don't have a mental illness because mental illness are those kinds of people. Yeah. And I'm not that kind of person. So I don't need to go to therapy. Right. I don't need I don't need help. I don't need to look at exactly. medication for my depression exactly. or anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about some of the myths of mental health. Yes. And the facts behind them. Okay. So you're going to straighten us out. Yes. So one of the myths is that people with mental illnesses fake their symptoms. They're just they don't want to deal with life. Yeah. They're being irresponsible. Yeah. They just are lazy. They're they just want to sleep in. Yeah. They're not. They're avoiding and life. Yeah. According to a survey done by the NMHA. Okay. The National Mental Health Association, that one in three Americans believe depression is a state of mind. Oh, I hear it all the time. Just, just hunker down. I, you Come know, on. Yeah. Be tough. Tough it out. I remember a billboard. I think men, I hear that a lot. Yeah. From men like, well, I don't even get it. It's just get up. And once you get up, you'll feel better. Yeah. There was a billboard um, that was about depression in it. You know, it said... You never tell someone with diabetes to snap out of it. Yeah. Come on. Pull your insulin levels yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. Right. And like health, like heart disease or anything like that, you don't tell someone just to snap out of it. Yeah. So that's why, they, that's to, why the word illness matters, right? Yeah. Or disease, right? Yeah. We need to get out of that mindset yeah. that it's just something someone will wake yeah. up and be okay. That's, um, a, that's a great learning. Severe mental illness can't be treated. That's a myth. Myth. It can be. It can be. And it can be compared to... Uh, to other illnesses and have that same recovery rate yeah. as other illnesses that people deal Di- with. An effective diagnostic and figuring out what we've got going on, building a plan, yeah, proper medication, medication if you need it, exercise, yeah. whatever you exactly. need that helps. Huge. And it can get you, get That's what our earlier their... guest said. It works. You yeah, just got to work it. The next myth, people with mental illnesses are violent. Not true. Not true at all. Northside Research says that the vast majority of people who are violent do not suffer from mental illnesses. They may, like, feel violent, but most of them never act on that. See, we just hear about the few extreme cases of mental health issues, mental illness that led to a shooting or whatever. Yeah. But in reality, most aren't. Most are just hurting quietly. And most of those mental health people that do lash out that have a mental illness, it's been exacerbated by drugs or alcohol. Mm, and yeah. Which is so them trying to medicate, medicate in an ineffective, healthy way. Because yeah. they don't think they, they need help. Yeah. So it See all ties cycle? back to this huge, cycle. horrible cycle. Yeah. Um, children and teens don't experience mental illness. Eh. One in five children or adolescents have a diagnosable mental illness. There's uh, teen suicides rampant. 
Exactly. Yeah. So it's something that not just like, you know, you think, oh, they're a teenager, they're being moody and they're being depressed. No, like one in five of them probably no, actually huge. does no, need exactly. help. I totally believe. Yeah. I believe it's true. Good. You should. Any other myths? Um, just one more. Uh, pe- mental illness only affects a few people. And like we talked about, like you talked about with your guests, it affects more people than you could possibly oh, imagine. Yeah. Whether you love them or you are one, that yeah. you're, you're going to have it somewhere in your life. Yeah. And that's the, the, the only numbers that we have are people that have gone to a doctor and been diagnosed right. with a mental illness. There's so many more people who, because of these stigmas, won't go and get diagnosed. So there's probably more people with mental illnesses than we can even anticipate because we haven't let them come and get help. It's sad. And so the myths end up keeping us trapped in our yeah. in our ways of thinking where we don't want to get help, we don't want to expose it, or we don't know what to do huh? as yeah. parents. Yeah. So just the best thing is to get educated about mental illness and how, you know, contribute to the idea that we need to stop keeping these stigmas around, yeah. stop get portraying it, it, it one out. way. There's many ways that people have mental illness. Nobody's the same under a mental illness. That's right. We just need to We're all accept just people, it for what right? it is. In this crazy thing called life, <laughs> just trying to <laughs> make it good. through one day at a time. And again, you you just, you you sing. I'm not going to sing for you right now. Do you now. want to just sing one thing real fast? No, I don't want to sing for you. I already did. I know. You did great. Thank you. Yeah, but I'm, and I'm and I'm don't ever be afraid. When I when like I say I need you in here. Get get Maddie in here. <laughs> don't be afraid. See, that's a oh. myth. We need to blow that okay, up. Okay. So all right. Sorry. No one has ever died in here. Are you sure? Uh-huh. Two were made. I guess we can't cuz yeah. you're a doctor. I'm a doctor. You'd save the lives. I'll save your life. <laughs> I'll check the moles. That's the kind of doctor oh, I am. Oh gosh. Appreciate it, Maddie. You did great. Thanks. Well done. We're taking a break. When we come back, uh, life coach extraordinaire, Kim Giles, is joining us. She's going to walk us through how to help people that we love that are going through crisis uh, in their mental health. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're taking on mental health. We're really trying to discuss how you, you know, create, understand yourself, understand where you are emotionally, where you are mentally, how you build a plan, how you maintain, you know, create a maintenance kind of plan for your health. So we decided who else to bring in but Coach Kim. Kimberly Giles is joining us, president and founder of Clarity Point Coaching, Clarity Point Life Coaching. She's a popular life coach, author, speaker. She was named as one of the 20 top 20 advice gurus in the country by Good Morning America. Not Don't mess with that title. That's huge. She, more importantly, uh, is a mommy. Not that that's more important than anything, but honestly, she knows people. She knows people from every, I think, what's cool about Kim. And, we're, and by the way, the author of a new book, what's it called, Kim? Choosing Clarity, The Path to Fearlessness. I love that. By the way, I'm reading it. Yeah. Great book. I can't ever remember a book title to save my life. <laughs> so I can, I can barely remember my book. But um, you, you're, you get people. And one of the things that happens when we have people with mental illness is a lot of people are giving them unsolicited advice. 
We're th- and anybody that has an issue, we just start giving them advice. Yeah, and a lot of times they come to you. They're in crisis, and you're yeah. their friend. You're their family member, and they come. Oh, this is what's going yeah. on in my life. Or Help maybe me. you come to them even because you see them to crying. Offer some. So you see they're hurting. So you get in there. You want to show up. Yeah. You want to show you're, them yeah. you love them and care about them. But what's well, wrong with that? We I'm just, just have to, help to be them. careful. Yeah. We have to be careful as we meddle in people's lives. And I don't know about you. Both of us, we meddle in people's oh, lives every for day. a we living. We get paid to meddle. <laughs> we do. Nothing wrong with that. But we're walking on sacred ground. Oh, yeah. I Their mean, heart we, is open. We don't, We can't take that lightly mm-hmm. because we could cause some problems oh, yeah. if we give have bad advice. Have you noticed that people, like, they'll take everything you say and they'll, like, they'll like think it's the word. It's the law. Yeah. It's gospel, so yeah. we have to be. Have you noticed that your spouse doesn't do that? Actually, nobody who who grew up with us yeah. and has known us our whole life, we have no credibility yeah. no, with none. whatsoever. They're like, Pfft. yeah, he can't even pick up his own socks. <laughs> That's what my wife would say. Yeah, my kids. Will, I, I hear this all the time. Yeah, yeah, I've heard and this my mom, whole life. Whatever, yeah. not that great. But you're saying, just as kind of the lay person, as somebody comes up to you and they're hurting. Mm-hmm. Maybe the best goal is at first not to advise. What they need more than anything is someone to listen. Yeah. And and that's what they need most. And it would be the most wise thing on our part to give them is just a, a listening ear. Right. And ask questions. Be an active listener. Give them all your attention. Because that shows somebody that you actually care. Yeah. It, it's not – so often we get caught up in wanting to tell them what we think and right. give them advice. That actually doesn't show someone you care about them. That's more about yeah. you. That's right. So asking lots of questions and really giving them a chance to explore what they're going through on their own. And, and I can keep someone talking for an hour with just tell me more about that. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever have – I have people that are like, okay, blah. I want you – they want you to tell them what to do. Like they're and you're like, let's just explore it a little further, and they're like, ah, we're done. Let's... Yeah, they kind of want you to yeah. just give them the answer. Yeah. And the, 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 what you're saying too is, there's the answer has to be theirs. Because I think the the right answer for one person in the same situation may be different than the right answer right. for you know. You work with couples a yeah. lot that are having problems, and you know, some of them it's it, it's not meant to work out, no. and and it's honestly, just... their perfect journey is to get strong enough. To stand on their own, yeah. stand to, up to, to let the spouse and let it go. Yeah. And and some, they're supposed to stay. Yeah. That is their perfect journey, tough as it is that they know. So I believe everybody, for the most part, their own inner guidance knows what's right for them. The problem is that very few people trust themselves. Yeah. And so, yeah, your inner guidance says that, but what if they're wrong? Right. What if my inner guidance is wrong? <laughs> so they call everybody they know. Right. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Hoping if enough people tell you that that's what you should do, then you could feel good yeah. about it and trust yourself and eh, move forward. Not going to happen. Well, and I don't want to enable people in that way. Right. And, and I don't want them coming for me to for help over every little thing. Yeah. I want them to learn. Yeah, be empowered. How move to on. listen to their own gut. That's huge. So you want to ask a lot of questions that maybe help them explore what way their their gut is really nudging them because usually it is right. nudging them one way. Do um, like in the back of your head though, you're like, that's just so not efficient. <laughs> 
just the average faster. person would be. It's so much faster if I could just tell her to like. We were talking earlier about depression and how some people think that's a myth. So, so if you're married and you're you're a depressive person and your spouse is like, oh my word, just work. If Get you would lose it. twenty pounds, you'd feel better about yourself. Get up and lose twenty pounds. So that would be easier for him than stepping into her world right. and really listening to how dark her feelings yeah. are. And how yeah. lonely she really is, even though she's married to him and is has the benefit and blessing of washing his laundry and clothing every day. <laughs> and so he doesn't want to get into her story really and hear it. So we just quickly solve it for somebody. But we have to step into their story if we want power with them and influence. Well, and and what who's this about? Is this about you or is this right. about them? You better decide that up front because if you don't care enough to She'll listen yeah. and step in their world. And that's the problem. Even... Mental health is a it's a sticky world. Because it's complicated. What's funny is I've seen incredible success from peep coaches that don't sit there and psychoanalyze. They just kind of move help the person move to some solutions that they know their heart's telling them to do. I've seen incredible success from mental health experts. I've seen mental health experts flop like crazy. I've seen medical MDs. I I just sent a client to um, a hospital with suicidal thoughts and tendencies and major anxiety, hopefully to be placed in the hospital. And he was sent home four hours later with um, sleep pills. Sleeping pills. And I thought, and he calls me leaving the hospital. Well, I guess I wasn't as bad as you thought because they told me I should just go home. But I should come see the psychiatrist in about three weeks. And then he gave me these sleeping pills. Yeah, sometimes we drop the ball. So part of it, this is a complicated issue. Who do you follow? And then you have a spouse that doesn't understand it. And meanwhile, you're the one suffering with mental illness. Tough road. What would you say? What would you say to the person that is just suffering from mental illness and knows a little bit, you know, they know kind of what's going on with them. They know they have a little anxiety. They know they have it. They know they have something. Then you've got to find the mental health professional that clicks, that feels right for you. And I would tell you, you need to trust your inspiration. Listen to your gut to guide you even there. And don't, don't just say you've done it. You've got it. You're saying you got to find one. Yeah, you're gonna keep going till you find one. one, right? Because don't you hear that yeah, a lot? Yeah. I hear a lot of stories where they've gone to somebody and it, and it didn't work, so they gave up on therapy altogether. Right. And and you got to find someone that's the right fit for you. Yeah. And and I know I'm very careful. I'm not really trained to work with people with mental illness, and so a lot of times I'm quick to tell someone they need to find a therapist, and they'll yeah. say, "My gut." says that I, I should you. talk to you. And if it does, then let's talk. Because yeah. I think if you listen, I really believe you'll know the answers you're meant to find them. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Just sometimes, like you were saying, there's the right question. I mean, how many times have you had somebody that, that they knew they've had depression? Their mom had it. Grandma had it. Great grandma had it. They know they've got it. And then they you're do. like, so are you doing anything about your depression? No. Well, why? (laughs) Why? I mean, it's part of your life. It's part of everyone's life in your family, apparently. Yeah. And then that, but then they're they're, That's just a simple question. Tell me about that. There are a lot of situations where we maybe do need to give them some advice. They're not seeing an answer that's kind of right in front of their face. But I kind of have a rule that I want to share with everybody because I think this is a, a really powerful communication tool. 
anytime you're talking to anybody and you want to give them some advice or make a suggestion or tell them what you think, yeah. you ought to ask permission first. Can I tell you what I'm thinking? Yeah. Would you be open, open to, to my... a suggestion? Yeah. Would you be open to maybe looking at this from a different perspective? Now why, why, why is the asking as important? Like even especially you, they come and they're paying you. But you'd still probably say, are you I open to seeing it in a new way? Yeah. And, and it's about honoring and respecting that person and where they are on their journey. I think anytime you just charge forward and say, listen, you're missing this. Yeah. I need, uh, let me tell you what you need to do. It's awfully presumptuous. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's kind of saying you're an idiot and I'm yeah. smarter than you, Duh. so I'm going to – Right. It goes over so much better when you ask, would you ever be open to a suggestion? Well, what else? You're also saying, this is your choice. It's your life. So are you, you open like to, to seeing or... something that I see as obvious? <laughs> I do. And, my, and when I say that to my clients, they're often like, well, duh, that's um, what I came here paying for. Paying you for it. Yeah. I still use it. Yeah. But if I could get every mother-in-law on the planet... <laughs> to ask, would you be open to some advice on your parenting or would you like me to stay out of it? Yeah. But see, they don't ask because they know what you'd say. Well, and that's part of asking the question is you're going to honor whatever their answer is. Well, And are you have you created a space where they want it? If you if you if they, they don't want your advice you. and exactly and if they don't think you know they're not wanting your advice. So I use that with my kids often. What do they say? What do your kids say? Well, I will often say, "Would you be open to a suggestion from your mom on this?" And they will look at me, and sometimes they will say, "Not really." <laughs> I would rather <laughs> handle this myself. Yeah. And I say, "Okay, good luck then. Talk to you later. Bye." But don't call me. When it all falls apart. <laughs> no, I yeah, don't okay, say that's that. right. But I feel like I'm building a relationship of trust with these people who I live with, and yeah. I want them to feel that I respect them, and I will get it back if I give it. Right. And then next time I ask, they're more likely to say yes because I've proven that I respect how they feel. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's the quietest person at the table that when they finally speak, everyone listens to? Oh, they're the wisest. The loud mouth, nobody spe- nobody listens to. The quiet one, the minute grandpa starts talking, everyone's like, shh, grandpa's talking. Well, and especially if he says, could I, Can I tell you a little yeah. something? Yeah. <laughs> That's great advice. We Everybody could do that more. We, d- we need to. We need to do it with everybody. Um, if you're driving with your spouse. Oh, boy. And he's going the wrong way. And you know he missed the turn. <laughs> what if, but you're, you're in oncoming traffic. Well, then you can scream. But other than that, you might say, honey, would you be open to a suggestion on how to get there faster? Would you like me to just sit here and smile and enjoy the ride? As we die on the road. (laughs) But see, that that is actually a verbal cue. You're giving a cue saying, I've got feedback that could probably save us some time. But only if you're open to it. Are you open to it? That's a great – it's kind of a softening agent. It's like softens the blow from, uh, hello. You missed the turn. Duh. Dummy. <laughs> Are you trying to kill us? Um, that's cool. That's great advice. Is there, what, else, what other tricks have you learned? You've coached a billion people. I get asked for advice a lot since the whole advice guru thing. Yeah. Well, if, yeah. if the shoe fits. <laughs> <laughs> so what, so what are some other tricks to giving advice? Well, I, I'll tell you. Or, I mean, to influencing someone. Try to not go too off the cuff. I try to base any advice I give on principles that I know are true. Yeah. 
if we're basing our advice on principles of truth, I think we probably won't lead people astray. Right. That's a great principles aren't going to aren't going to hurt you. Yeah. They're they're true for a Versus reason. Versus a position. See, some of us always give our position, right? So we're p- pushing a position, not a principle. So I've got some principles. Most of the time, a loving response is going to be your best bet. Yeah. Most of the time, love will suit better. It's a pretty good answer. And it feels good for everyone. Right. Yeah. And sometimes that will mean loving yourself and taking care of you. Yeah. But it's still the loving choice versus yeah. a fear-based choice. Right. So I, I, I think step back and make sure this isn't something you just came up with on the fly that yeah. you think is a good idea. I think a lot of people, when I give advice, especially on the radio or TV, on KSL, they they kind of question, where's Kim getting this? Yeah, Who is she? Yeah, who's she? Um, but I usually put the principle right in there so that people know that that's what the advice is based on. Yeah, if you want to question, question the principle. Don't question me. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. And then I'm really quick to refer people to a professional. Mm-hmm. Have you found there's so many people who have struggled for 20 years with this problem and they've gone to all their friends and family and they're not getting anywhere? You know, there are people who are experts on (laughs) this. There's people that that they They do do this this every day, all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Don't you wish couples would come a lot sooner? No, they come and they're dying and bleeding and emotionally drained. And then. And they've already said so many things they can't. I've gone through four people. I've gone through. Yeah, exactly. If they would just get a little training on good relationship skills at the first sign of trouble, boy, we could save them years of <sighs> pain Humans. and suffering. It's so true. So true. So seek out professionals. There are professionals that know about yeah. everything. Well, and that's another thing is recognize what you don't know. So you're you're very quick to know that, you know, I don't do psychotherapy Post-traumatic stress disorder. So I don't know that. So if if that's what you think we're going through, you're going through, we probably need to send you somewhere else. But but see, all the the time people get divorce advice from their friend that's just divorced. Well, yeah. If she just got divorced, of course she's going to tell you to do that because we project our own experience onto other people. But if if you don't know mental illness, be careful advising someone with mental illness. Be careful. Don't do it. Right. Don't if you, if, do it, folks. And even if you've been through a divorce, I'd be very – I always look at like the end impact of what I'm saying. If this goes worst case scenario, do I want to be a part of somebody's divorce or do I want to be a part of somebody's mental health breakdown by not taking serious care of this? Yeah. Now, do you get people quite often who they've got a problem? For you, the solution is really yeah, obvious. It's right there. It's right there. And and we can give them advice and point yeah. them in the direction, but they won't take it. No. And so I've realized the over the years, they're just not ready. Nope. They're not ready nope. to see it yet. Yeah. Not ready to go there. And so when you're ready, this They'll is something ready. you might want to look at. But you, you don't seem ready to go there. I'm ready. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I call a dueling commitment. They're, they're committed to two things simultaneously. So a f- foot on the gas and the brake uh-huh. at the same and time. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We it's see huge. that a lot. See, we're just people that need to be loved and, like you always say, trust our path. Because it's their classroom journey. They're on their own track. They'll get there when they're supposed to get there. And it usually isn't as quick as you think they should. And that's hard, especially when they're hurting. So if if you're my spouse and you're hurting 
and I've already got an idea that you could, I think you're depressed. And you're like, quit calling me depressed. But if you're hurting, I want to help you fast because I want it to stop. Yeah, so what do you tell somebody whose spouse has definitely got mental illness issues but refuses to get help? What would you tell him? You know what I would I would I would tell him to get then get strong because you're going to need to cope or you're going to need to do something so different that you've been afraid to do. And I've had people I've had people call the cops, and just calling the cops on it's somebody kind of a that was catalyst. threatening suicide or have someone call the or do do anything different, and the, the it'll change stuff. Something's going to change if you become different in a system like a marriage. Yeah, just do something different. Don't be complicit. And if you can't change them, you yeah. you can work on you because that's the only thing really in your control. That's right, but you got to get strong enough to dare to do that. That's the codependent thing. Yeah, man. See Kim, we live a tough life. <laughs> All this advice we have to give. All this advice. No, we love it. We love we helping. Isn't people. it great? Can Best you imagine job doing in the world. Anything else? Mm-mm. No way. No way. Plus, we get to hang out every other week. I know. Kim I get Giles. to be on Matt Townsend show. You're the best. Thanks Kim for Giles, having me. Thank you. And go. You got to go check out her website though. Kimberly Giles at ClarityPointCoaching.com. She's got free audios, free stuff on there, assessments to take, the fear assessment. All free. We just want to help help you. You're like so the greatest charity. You're the biggest out. charity in the mental health world. <laughs> ClarityPointCoaching.com. True. Thanks, Matt. You're the best. We'll take a break. We're coming back. We are going to uh, do a little update. I like the Mikey update and also learn about some amazing people who have also dealt with mental illness. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. That's the hoedown music, meaning it's time to wrap up the show. Uh, this is the Matt Townsend Show, uh, but joining us is uh, Mike Pond from the I Likey the Mikey dating series. Right here on the Matt Townsend Show. We threw out uh, a little offer. Anybody that wants to date Mike Pond can. 25,000 people signed up. Slight exaggeration. And you have gone out with a bunch. You have set up a bunch of dates, and you, but you're a dating machine. I am a busy guy. How I many had, dates recently? I had four dates this weekend. Holy cow. I had a date yesterday. I have a date tonight, and I have a date tomorrow. And Good. maybe Friday, waiting to hear back. Wow. This is expensive. Well, you know, if you listen to the show on creativity, we talked about how Simple dating is great dating. Keep and, it simple. Figure know, out when you get there what you're going to do. A date can be less than $5, and you can have great quality time and get to know somebody. So you're going to have eight $5 dates, apparently. Probably. Maybe that's why you have eight with eight different people. Maybe if you spent $10, you might have one person to date the rest of your life. Maybe if you'd pay me more, Matt, then that could uh, that could happen. Okay, well, that's not going to happen. So um, there's the I like you, the Mikey update. Another thing you've been researching uh, is the simple topic of um, amazing human beings who have dealt with mental illness. Yeah, this is not this is not just one one in a million. A lot of incredible human beings have suffered through mental illness. Yeah, there's been a a lot. And you know, another thing I've been doing too is I've been watching the Paralympics. I don't know if you've been watching no, that. No, I haven't. And 
I mean, there's all kinds of different people. Uh, we, there's people that yeah. are born with congenital defects or people, uh, you know, a 17-year-old uh, snowboarder, Evan Strong, uh, he was hit by a car when he was 17, and mm. he's been competing for the last five years for the United Zero. States. Yeah. And so there's That's about, cool. you know, 700 athletes from 45 different countries that compete in about 15 different events. And it, it's crazy. These stories, you know, they, they can break your heart, but yeah. also they can help us see the power of the human spirit on on the same hand like hand you've got mand illness kind of different yeah. you can see these defects right uh, but see, with mental illness, you, you can kind of hide a lot of them. You know? Well, they're hidden away until you have the breakdown like our earlier guests once she had the breakdown she ran away from home and the police had to find her that's Jeez. the breakdown that that's when it becomes visible but there's i mean there's a lot. You just go through a bunch of the greatest uh, music, like uh, Beethoven. Beethoven. He was he was bipolar. I know. Winston Churchill. He was also bipolar. It's crazy to the, think that. Well, but see, you'd think that they ah see mental illness means you're just messed up. He was one of the greatest leaders during the World War II era. Yeah. Churchill, you know, come on. Very. He had some very inspiring speeches. Yeah. Great guy. Abraham Lincoln. He was clinic, cl- uh, clinically depressed, excuse me. Well, and his wife as well. Yeah, they both had. And then when they lost a child, right? I mean, there's a lot of, the, the, to me, that's so that's so powerful to think you're just like Lincoln. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, and the list goes on. Yeah. Charles Let's Dickens, uh, Ernest Hemingway, they were both clinically depressed. I mean, there is a lot of names here, and it's... It's it's a common thing. Yeah. We we don't like to think that, and they, we can hide this. But there's a lot of power in knowing that that you can be really successful in life, even if you might have uh, you know a problem with depression or, or well, and maybe uh, that's bipolar. what leads to your success. Um, one time we made a comment on my Facebook page about a boy that had um, autism. And we made some comment like, despite his autism, he was able to draw the most incredible picture in a, like five minutes. This incredible kind of three D super image. detailed. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then somebody wrote in and said it wasn't in spite of it; it was because of it. So this very thing that we think is a deficiency, autism, can be a great strength. Became this empowering ability for his yeah. brain to like cross borders and do stuff he wasn't the rest of us aren't able to do so maybe the reason a Hemingway is such an incredible uh, you know writer novelist novelist all of a sudden it's maybe because he has such de- severe depression could be it lets him reach deeper into the dark abyss that is an interesting way to look at you know it. what I mean yeah that's huge I uh, I think you did it again Mike Matt thank you for letting me do it. Thank you. I appreciate well, sure. it. Sure. Tomorrow, by the way, um, maybe we'll find a song of you singing. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I'm not a very good vocalist, but uh, I'll put well, something well, together. Hey, uh, James, will you find something from Justin Bieber? Definitely. That I we think we can put Mike Pond's name on. Or yeah. Gangstar or Tribe Called Quest. That's yeah, fine. Bieber. It'll be Bieber. It'll be Bieber. Bieber, you just ooze Bieber. Here at Bieber. Believer. Uh, thanks for joining us, folks. There you go. The Matt Townsend Show, the wrap up. We're done. Mental health, you know, it's not a life sentence. Apparently, there's a lot of power we can get and a lot of people we can help if we would just understand it, care enough to uh, to be there and not judge. Let's be lights, not critics, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow. More of The Good Life tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.